Glad you're here at New Creation Church. You're amongst some of the greatest people in the whole world. Praise the Lord. And that's not to take anything away from all the churches that are meeting. Uh, I mean, God has wonderful people all over the place, uh, but you're amongst them and amongst some of the greatest in the whole wide world. And we're just growing. We're increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. We have not arrived yet, but we are moving forward. We're moving up, and we're moving into some things that God has for us. And uh, praise the Lord, we're excited about it. I hope that you're excited about it. Open your Bibles with me to Proverbs, the 18th chapter. Uh, we have a lot to do today and uh, want to get right into it. Uh, we have, are in a, a series that we began, and we'll wrap it up. A uh, very short series uh, this time, uh, but Spirit-Led Life. And uh, uh, it's something that we will probably come back to uh, after a few weeks. Mark Hankins is going to be here next week. You don't want to miss it on Saturday night. Uh, uh, come Saturday night, 5 o'clock. Uh, Trent and Mark will be teaching on prayer. Then we'll be praying together. We'll have some praise and worship, and we're going to have a good time together. Uh, again, we've been praying. We're picking up momentum praying, but I believe this will just be added momentum. This is not a time just because it's not the year end, just because there's not an election. Uh, if we wait for all those times, we run behind as the church. But as we keep praying, we begin to pray out forward. That's really what prayer is. Prayer is not to be a fire truck putting out fires that happen everywhere, but prayer is laying out track for where we're going. It's processing God's plan through prayer. And so that's what we're endeavoring to do because, uh, you know, we don't know everything, but God does. So we allow him uh, to help us to pray what we don't know. So they'll be here Saturday night, uh, Sunday, all day long, and we're going to have a great time uh, with them. And then June 18th, uh, John Grunewald will be with us. And so, and uh, right between that, Easter. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Uh, we'll have Easter Sunday service. And uh, just to let you know, it'll be Sunday morning, 8.30 and 10.30. Uh, we'll not have an evening service on Easter. Just to let you know, that hasn't been announced. We rarely have a service on Easter. We want you to take Easter. Uh, you know, everybody's been working hard for, for Easter. So take time with your family. On Easter afternoon, we won't have an evening service on Easter. Proverbs, the 18th chapter, says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of his belly. The, uh, that's not the one I wanted. I'm sorry. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, right? The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The Passion Translation says it like this. The spirit God breathed into man is like a living lamp a shining light searching into the innermost chambers of our being. Pastor Tasha last week really did a great job of really kind of lining out uh, the parts of we are a living lamp. We look at that and understand the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. We know that he's looking and searching, but he causes us by the spirit of God to be a living lamp, a light in the darkness. Proverbs, the 18th chapter, the 14th verse says this, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain and trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. It's very important in the days that we live in to understand that strengthening our spirit man is incredibly important. There are times coming, that, uh, really according to scripture, but we see those times coming that if we are not spiritually built up, that we will not be able to bear them. Paul told Timothy that in the last of the last days, troublesome times would come. Extremely hard times, there would be times that would be hard 
to bear or hard to bear up under. And we're seeing the beginning of those troublesome times. So if it says, who can bear up under these troublesome times that he'll begin to line out there to Timothy, well, who will be able to bear up? Those who are spiritually strong, spiritually strong. And we are the body of Christ. We are those who have been made spiritually alive. If you've been born again, if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit of God came to live on the inside of you, to live in your spirit, to make your spirit alive unto God, no longer dead under trespasses and sins, no longer uh, the, the world pressing in to crush you, but there's a strength on the inside that is greater than what will press you from the outside. Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said that this treasure, this value that lives on the inside of me called the spirit of God, the life of God, it is the strength that is not of me that is of God. So when I'm hard pressed on every side, I'm not crushed. When I'm persecuted, I'm not forsaken. When I'm perplexed, I'm not in dismay. Anybody been perplexed over the last year? But see, the Spirit of God rises up and says, don't worry about it. I got you. Right? I got you. How many of you felt pressure in the last year? Just like, man, how am I even? This is so much pressure. But he says, don't worry about it. What's pressing or pushing from the inside, if you recognize it, if you're developing it, what's pushing from the inside is greater than what's coming from the outside. And there's different areas that I know, but there's increasing persecution. And, and you'll all of a sudden think, well, everybody's forsaken me. The Apostle Paul had opportunities. He said, listen, man, I've gone to different cities, and even the people in those cities that supported me have forsaken me. But he said, even though I'm persecuted, I know I'm not forsaken because God is with me. He's on the inside. I'm not looking at the people who've left me on the outside. More importantly, the one on the inside will never leave me, and he will never forsake me. And there's something that comes from our spirit. Man, the Message Bible says it like this. A healthy spirit conquers adversity. But who can do, but what can you do when your spirit is crushed? The modern English version says it like this. The spirit of man will sustain his infirmity or his weakness, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? Who can bear? And so we started off talking about spirit, soul, and body. We won't have a lot of time. Uh, I won't review, but spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit. That's the main part of you. You have a soul and you live in a body. And as we go through this, I don't want to diminish the soul. The soul is such an important part of you, but we've given that uh, soulish part of us kind of leadership in, in, our, in our being, and it's not created to have leadership, but it's created to allow your, you're created to have your spirit really lead you, but your soul is so important. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. I heard somebody say recently that where really your soul is this important thing that where your, your thoughts and your emotions intersect, that's where you'll, your decision making will be made. And so if we allow our thoughts to run contrary to the word of God, if we allow our feelings to always be negative, when those thoughts and those feelings intersect, we'll begin to make bad decisions. Anybody can witness to that? I've gotten, man, my mind's gotten all clogged up. I've gotten all worked up and I've made a bad decision. But see, when our spirit man is alive and it's strong, it starts bringing thoughts into captivity. It begins to bring under control the emotions. So then when our thoughts are on him, our mind is stayed on him, he brings us into perfect peace and our decision making is right on. 
And he wants to bring us to the right place at the right time. So we're not throwing out the soul, but we're putting the soul in the proper context of our being. Thank you for your enthusiasm. See, whenever you do that, people who, whose souls are pretty active, they get a little stirred up, man. Now, don't be talking about me now. I control this person. I get feelings worked up. I, I, I get the thoughts running to where they think they can't control their thoughts. But when the spirit of man becomes strong, we come to that place. And so when we understand this and, and recognize that when we make Jesus the Lord of our life, the part of us that changes is the inward man. The outward man uh, doesn't change. Most of you probably recognize this. You know, when I was just a youth in Lyons, Colorado, and I prayed the prayer of salvation, something changed on the inside. I knew it. My hair color didn't change. My eye color didn't change. My height didn't change. My weight didn't change, right? Even some of my thinking when I went to school the next day didn't change. One thing in my thinking that did change was I kept thinking something changed on the inside. Somebody's got to tell me what happened on the inside of me. Something changed, right? So this is where 2 Corinthians 5.17 comes in, that any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God. When he says everything, he's talking about everything that pertains to the real you, the spirit man within you, right? Everything that changed at the new birth was on the inside of you. And so you were born again. And so from that day forward, there was a developmental process that God wanted to work in you. We call it growing up spiritually. So that we would grow up, we would grow in understanding of this new birth, this new spiritual life through the word of God, so that that would grow up and be the dominant, mature part of us that would guide and control through the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit, the direction of our life, that we would end up in the right places at the right time, doing the right thing, and ultimately arrive at the high calling of Christ Jesus, being changed into his very image, and in that, arriving at the judgment seat, being judged for all this collective work behind us, which would be souls changed through what God has given us to do. Amen. Open your Bibles to uh, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. He's just finished with early, earlier writing to the Galatians. It started in 16. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He talks about the battle that goes on in every single person, a battle that won't stop. Don't mean to discourage you, but it won't stop. The battle of your old nature, your flesh trying to keep your spirit from doing what it's called to do will continue. And your spirit trying to stop your flesh from killing you will continue. It's a battle that will go, but he says if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, if we get spiritually strong and understand this life of the spirit, we won't, give, we won't go back to the life of the flesh. It won't win, and we will fulfill our destiny or what God's called us to do. But we need to understand that there's a battle. How do we win that battle? By walking in the spirit. He lines out attributes of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. But then he says this. He said if we live in the spirit, everybody say, I live in the spirit. He said, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. I want to read from Kenneth Weiss' word study about this particular verse of Scripture. He says this, the word uh, is dative for reference. The word is, uh, if, is the conditional part particle of a fulfilled condition. 
That is in view of the fact. In other words, he's talking in view of the fact that you live in the Spirit. He says, seeing that, we live with reference to the Spirit. We live with reference to the Spirit. As Christians, we should live with reference to the Spirit, not the flesh. See, so often even as believers, we keep referencing the old man. He said, but we're born again. We should live our life in reference to the Holy Spirit. The Galatians were living with reference to the Spirit in the sense that the new divine life resident in their beings was supplied by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul says, in view of the fact that you Galatians have a new life principle operating in your, a new life principle operating in your beings, then walk by the Spirit. He said, when you receive Jesus, you have a whole new life principle operating in your being. And if you reference the Spirit of God, you know where that life principle comes from. Right? He said, then walk by the Spirit. The word walk from the, from the Greek word means to walk in a straight line, to conduct oneself rightly. Thus, the exhortation is to the Galatians who have divine life resident in their beings. Or we could say it like this, the reference of this scripture is to New Creation Church who has divine life resident in their beings. When he says, if you live in the spirit, then let us walk in the spirit or conduct ourselves. He is addressing the church here, Galatia, but God knew he's addressing new creation church and he's exhorting us that we have this divine life resident in our beings and to conduct ourselves under the guidance impulses and energy of that life here we have the free will of the christian and his responsibility to live the highest type of christian life and the grace of god will make that possible the responsibility of the saint is to desire to live a christ-like life to depend upon the Holy Spirit for power to live that life and to step out on faith and live that life. I'm going to read that again. Didn't get near the response. I thought it might. All right. So we as Christians have the responsibility of the saint to desire to live a Christ-like life, to depend upon the Holy Spirit for the power to live that life and to step out in faith and live that life. He says, when, the, when, when we live in reference to the Holy Spirit, we live in reference to the Holy Spirit, there's something that goes on the inside of us that says, listen, there's a different kind of life. There's a different quality of life than the life that I've been living. But the thing that hits us immediately is like, man, you can't live that life. But he says, we re stop right there and say, First of all, I just want to, in my heart, desire to live that life. I realize I desire to live that life, but I can't do it on my own. So next, I depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit to help me live that life. And I know I access the power of the Holy Spirit by faith, and so now I know that by faith and the power of the Holy Spirit, I can live that life. Come on, it's that overflow of life. It's that abundant life. It's that God kind of life. Come on. It's that, that place where Alan was at that we just got to click over when he says, come on, it, it's, it's these people of God that they rejoice and they're glad. 
They say with an abundance, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. We get rejoicing when revelation comes, we rejoice. When we realize there's a Christ-like life, we get excited and we say, listen, I got the understanding that this is a life beyond what I could live under sin. It can only live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I have faith in him working in me. So I'm going to live that life. I'm just going to do it. Not of my own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. All right, he's not done yet. This fulfilled will bring all the infinite resources of grace to the aid of the saint and put in operation all the activities of the Spirit in his behalf. All right, I'm going to read that again. This fulfilled. Everybody say fulfilled. Fulfilled. Say it again. Fulfilled. Come on, we get to that point where we're like, yeah, I want to live that life. I want to live that life. But he's talking about being fulfilled in living that life. He says, this fulfilled will bring all the infinite resources of grace to the aid of the saint. He said, listen, what fulfilled? When you realize there's this new life, that, that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to help me live that life, and by faith I'm going to live that life, he said those three, three things coming together, to realize there's new life, the power of the Holy Spirit, and faith, now I'm going to live that life. He said these three things fulfilled, all of a sudden bring the infinite resources of grace. Yeah, come, on. come on, faith accesses the infinite resources of God's grace. To the aid of you, the saint, and put in operation all the activities of the Spirit. Glory to God. Come on, now we're living a different kind of life and a different quality of life because we look at that. He goes on to say, now listen, when you start to realize this, and they were dealing with it, we deal with it today. He said, don't get too uh, worked up about your spirituality. Right after he said, if you're going to live in the Spirit... You're going to walk in the spirit. Don't become conceited because you're walking in the spirit. Writers say, listen, the church was so excited about living in the spirit that some were excelling in gifts of the spirit and stuff, and they began to look down on people who were still working their way through the understanding of the law and how to operate. And those people started looking at the other people, and he said that you got people who are arrogant about their spirituality, And then you got people who are trying to just live for God, and they look at the arrogant people and start to envy them, thinking that they're spiritual. And we have to be careful. Just as, uh, you know, uh, that that, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, and I think it's the Passion Bible, says mature believers follow the impulses of the Holy Spirit. See, we start to put uh, uh, spirituality on how somebody acts from the outside, But true spirituality is how we respond and obey the Holy Spirit from the inside. And it begins to work to the outside, but he begins to go on to say, listen, if you think you're so spiritual, then help the ones who are not spiritual in a spirit of meekness. And he goes on to talk about teachers and receiving the word and and, and honoring the word. And we always get that in, you know, we just seem to get it mixed up on one hand or the other. We're we're either, we honor people and bow down and you're so spiritual, I'm not. Or look, I'm just as spiritual as anybody else. Just let me have my way. And there's just such a ground where the Holy Spirit doesn't do either one of those. He develops who we are so that we can be profitable to the people around us. 
through the love of God. All right, thank you for your enthusiasm. All right, praise the Lord. So Romans the 18th, or 8th chapter 14th verse says, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. He knew that we would need help. In John, the 14th chapter, the 15th verse, he says, if you love me, you'll do my commandments. He didn't mean prove your love for me by doing my commandments. He said this, if you love me, you'll do my commandments. See, it's just like we, we have to process everything different. As Pastor Tasha was saying uh, last week, uh, under the new covenant, we are not led by prophets. If you want to know more about that, uh, uh, John and Lisa had a great podcast this month. Their conversation with John and Lisa addressed uh, prophets, the New Testament prophets and all that. But what we understand is the Old Testament prophets, there's New Testament prophets, but the Old Testament prophets were moving to the cross. Everything comes through the cross. And so we, they come to the cross. Some things change with the cross. Some things are enhanced with the cross. Some things are redirected through the cross. We don't have sacrifices of bulls and goats anymore that came to the cross it pointed to jesus from the cross were there right so when jesus said if you love me do my commandments there was a doing of the commandments for the atonement to prove listen look at how i do the commandments but from so uh, god i'm doing the commandments i'm proving i love you now i'm going to get your blessing and atone for but from the cross we don't do it to prove that we deserve the cross we do good works from the cross. God showed his love for us. We love him. Therefore, we walk with him and we do his commands because we know that he's the Lord of our life. But he said, if you're going to go ahead and do my commands, you need a helper. Right? That's what he begins to talk about. We got stuck, in th- we got stuck on that thinking, okay, I got to do his commands to prove that I love him. And we got stuck. And he goes, no, if you love me, You'll want to do my life. I like this. One minister said, let's just change commandments in the New Testament instead of commands because that locks us up, especially as Americans. Let's just put it this way. When it says, do my commands, just read it this way. Do things my way. So as he said, if you want to have a love relationship with me, the best way is to do things my way. And if you decide to do things my way, you're going to need help. So guess what? I'm going to send you a helper. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word doesn't just say, I'm going to send you a helper. He said, I'm going to send you an advocate. I'm going to send you a counselor. I'm going to send you a consoler, a comforter. He said, I'm going to send you a go-between, an intercessor. I'm going to send you someone just like me. But he said, I'm here with you, showing you how things go. But he's going to be in you directing you and helping you become the person that I created you to be, the person that you were born again to be. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it the old way, but you can only do it with the one I'm sending who's just like me, but he won't be alongside of you saying, watch me, and then try to do it. He said, I'll be in you helping you, taking a hold together with you against every strategy of the enemy so with me you can come out successful come on he's in you the same spirit that raised christ from the dead is in us he quickens your mortal body he makes it alive unto god he puts a pep to your step and he puts a glide to your stride he said listen there's things to do 
If you love me, if we're going to live life the way that I created it to live, you can't live it the old way. You can't live it in the molly grubs. You can't live it in depression. You can't live it wondering what the world's going to do. It's time to rise up and see the heavenly calling and live it my way with the help of the Holy Spirit. Whew, I need to breathe. Glory to God. He's the counselor. So many times when it comes to the the prophetic or counsel, I need somebody to have a word for me. I need that. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs 20, verse 5, that counsel, there's counsel deep in the heart of man. Right? And a man of understanding begins to grab it and draw it up. It's not that we don't have people that we talk to, but there is a counselor deep on the inside of you, the counsel for life, the one who knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning, the one who knows the direction for your life and can counsel you every step of the way lives deep on the inside of you. And others can give counsel, but when we get to that point of like, I can't move until somebody has a word, he has a word. And he'll confirm that word. And others will speak that word, but you'll know it's the counsel that comes from the inside. We're not talking about being isolated from everybody in some spiritual form. We're talking about integrating that those who have the spirit in them and you have the spirit in you, it begins to move in the same flow, in the same direction. All right, so we want to just touch on a couple of things this morning. I believe the first thing, if we're going to be led by the spirit or have a spirit-led life, that you have to locate your spirit. You have to locate your spirit. Say, so how do I locate my spirit? Well, I'm just going to give you one way. I really only know one way, and that's the way that God showed me. And so years ago, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, I got brought up in a denominational church and uh, really raised in a Methodist church. I didn't get saved until I was 15 in a Baptist youth group. Then I got saved, and of course, uh, all my life, I learned this baptism of the Holy Spirit was gone. Uh, it wasn't for today. In fact, it was of the devil. So I stayed away from it. And then my parents started taking me to a full gospel church. And I started hearing people pray in tongues. And I knew them. They lived in our community. I I was dog sure they were not of the devil. (laughs) I just knew it. I'd watched their life. I knew they weren't of the devil. Never seen anything that would attribute to that. But also in that church, there was something different than any church I'd ever been to. Even as a teenager, I'm like, there's something different about this church. But, you know, through that, just what I learned is, okay, so it's not of the devil, but it's not for everyone. And so, you know, it's a little strange sometimes, so I was okay with that. Praise the Lord. It's not for everyone. It's not for me. I won't be weird. (laughs) So, you know, just through the course of being fired up for God, uh, I met this gal in high school and started to date her and took her to church, led her to the Lord. And so a couple years, you know, we're just uh, going to church, doing our best to live for the Lord. And one summer day, I, I, Sunday, I went to uh, play baseball. We had a game on Sunday, and uh, we had a guest speaker at church, so she went to church uh, on Sunday. Monday, I went over to her house, and uh, it was just the strangest thing. We're just getting ready to go out on a date, but she's just moving around or something. And something, I'm just like, man, there's something different about her. You know how it is? I'm wondering if she cut her hair, shaved her mustache. What, what is it? What is it that's different? I can't figure out anything that's different about her, you know, to get her ears pierced. What, I don't know. You're just looking, you know, what, what's different? So finally, I mean, it was just so evident. I, I'm just, I, I'm like, what's different about you? She said, well, um, do you think it's good or do you think it's bad? 
I said, well, I can't quite tell. I think it's good. She said, well, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit last night. I went, well, that's pretty much sure it's not of the devil. And now I have a real problem because I'm kind of a competitive person. And if it seems good, and I led you to the Lord, and you got something that was from God that was good, and I don't have it, this creates a big problem for me. Right? And so, so that night after I left her house, I got in the car, and I said, all right, God, this is not fair. If this is of you, and it is for everybody, then I want it. So I'm driving in my car. I'd heard enough by being in that full gospel church of how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just driving in my car and the Holy Spirit came on me and I began to speak with other tongues. And you can't take that away from me. It's changed my life. Right? But then I went for a good period of time just praying in tongues when I felt like praying in tongues. And then I went to Bible school. And I always thought the devil always bombarded me. Well, you probably don't really have it. You're just talking in gibberish because nobody ever laid hands on you. And so while I'm, I'm in Bible school, the head of our Bible school, Brother Hagin, he was teaching on the Holy Spirit. And he went to 1 Corinthians 14. He says, when a man prays in a tongue, his spirit prayeth. His mind is, his understanding is unfruitful. Man that prayeth in a tongue, his spirit prayeth. So, you know, I've just come to this point where you try the spirits. You test them out when you hear something. So I went home from Bible school that day and I set myself, I'm just going to go in my room. I'm praying tongues and figure out where this is coming from. Is this coming from my head or somewhere else? So I just went in, shut the door, began to pray in other tongues. While I'm praying in other tongues, I just realized this, this isn't something I'm figuring out with my head. This is rolling right up out of the inside of me. And so I was, as I was praying in other tongues, I began to locate my spirit. And so when, as we talk about how you're led by the Spirit, there's something. You can get emotional. You can get feeling. You can do all that. And it all starts to jumble together. But when you can stop for a moment and locate your spirit, it helps you in having a spirit-led life. And one of the best ways to locate your spirit, man, and get your spirit, man, in this place of focus is to pray in other tongues, to pray in the Spirit, and to praise and worship to get everything else thrown aside and acknowledge God. Why? Because when you're, you're, you don't feel like worshiping, when you don't feel like singing, when you don't feel like praising God, and you do, you throw off the understanding, you throw off the confusion, and you focus on Him. Which really, which part of you really focuses with to God, right? Which, the Spirit. It's not your mind, it's your, your emotions. That's not how God's dealing with us. God's dealing with us. He's the Father of spirits. He deals with the spirits. So once we throw off, through praise and worship, through singing, we throw off all the, uh, starts to focus, and our spirit, man, becomes aware. We pray in an unknown tongue, we edify ourselves. In other words, when everything's pressing in, you feel weak spiritually, you begin to pray in tongues, you edify your spirit. In other words, on the inside, it's like, you know, uh, younger people might not uh, uh, know this or remember this, but you all remember, you know, Popeye could be all tied up and, and, and bound up and everything, or he could be just crushed or something, and all it took was a little Spinach, kaboom, kaboom, his forearms, everything. Well, you know, when you start, <laughs> that just came to me. I'm not going to blame the Holy Spirit for that or anything. But, but when you begin to pray in an unknown tongue, it's like spinach to your spirit. <laughs> Come on, you start to pray in an unknown tongue, your spirit man goes, 
I mean, it's just ready to go. It starts to break out, gets charged up. So see, why is the enemy, why through all the generations has this been a major issue for the body of Christ? Because the devil knows if the whole body of Christ starts praying in tongues, they're going to become strong. Listen, I'm not, I, again, I know the argument. Are you saying you, you, if you pray in tongues, you're better than me, you're more spiritual than me? No, no. God gave us something to strengthen ourselves. We just want to utilize what he's given to us. Amen. When you begin to worship God, you begin to edify your inward man, your spirit man. And when we do that, we get to the place where we're more sensitive to hearing the spirit of God and hearing what God has to say to us. Amen. So here's just a couple ways. We'll wrap up. Wow, that went by fast for me anyway. Um, Y'all can wake up. Man, what's going by fast for me? Um, Praise the Lord. So there's just a couple of ways. I know that, that Pastor Tasha uh, shared these things, but number one way the Spirit of God leads us is through the Word. Through the Word. Listen, church, find a time, get daily reading of the Word, meditate the Word, because the Word and the Spirit agree. And you can come on situations of life where you're trying to figure out what to do, but guess what? I don't know if you know this or not, but the Holy Spirit knows the Word. When you need direction... If you're not getting a word like from the scripture as you pray, it's not because the Holy Spirit's like, hmm, I'm having trouble figuring out a scripture right now. I'm not sure. No, he knows the word. What he's having trouble doing is finding one we know. That's why, come on, listen, I, I didn't know that would hit you like that, but... Um, that's why sometimes you get the oddest scripture for a situation. You're like, really? He's like, well, it's the only one you know, so we'll work with it. You're like, that doesn't even apply to my situation. He says, yeah, I have one that applies, but you would never even know where it was, so let's use this one. And he's powerful enough, listen to me, he's powerful enough to make that one alive to you. You can't build a doctrine on it, but boy, he can take it and put grace on it if you'll just believe it and make it alive. Come on, we started pastoring the church. Church was $22,000 in debt. I was super excited about pastoring the church <laughs> until I realized, oh, that debt's now mine. And so I was praying, walking in front of the churches at the front like this, which is my habit, and I'm praying, but I'm not in a good frame of mind praying. I'm going, oh, great. God, you at least could have given me a different church. It didn't have to be $22,000 in debt. And, and man, 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 man. So right from the inside of me, it wasn't a voice. It was an unction. Right on the inside of me, turn to James chapter 1. Just I knew, turn to James chapter 1. So I turned to James chapter 1. Rejoice when temptings, testings, and trials come. Rejoice. I'm like, okay, I don't feel like it. Complain a little bit more. Oh, just on the inside. Go back, read it again. So I read it again. I don't know how this, it might be the only scripture I know. I don't know how this is going to help with a $22,000 debt. But I just began rejoicing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just by myself. You know, you feel stupid when he asks you to do that all by yourself. You think, I'm not going to do it in the congregation. People think I'm stupid. Listen, if everybody's doing it, do it. Because it feels a lot more stupid when nobody's around. 
The devil will just mess with you whether you're alone or whether you're with people, so just let her loose. So I start rejoicing. Listen, I start rejoicing. He gives me a word, I start rejoicing. Then from the inside of me, I hear this. People don't know there's a debt. Tell them there's a debt. Tell them to pray and obey. And by the end of summer, the debt will be paid. The last day of summer, 1992, I think that's when it was on the 21st, not the 20th. They moved it on us. But um, the last day of summer, 1992, was on a Sunday. On that Sunday, with no campaign, nothing, we had $22,000 and change in the offering. We paid our debt, except for what secured the buildings. We paid our debts on time, every time. Since then, God has blessed us. But you see, what did he do? The Holy Spirit led me to get into the word and get into the right attitude so that he could lead me and talk to me. So often, he has to make an adjustment to our attitude or our thinking before he can talk to us. Before he can talk to us. When we know the word of God, he can lead, to, lead us through the second way, the inward witness. The inward witness, where all of a sudden you know that word of God and it just seems good. It just seems right. There's an unction on the inside. Before I even knew how to locate my spirit, I was going, I graduated from high school and I kept getting this unction. I need to go to Bible school. I need to go to Bible school. I need to go to Bible school, but I didn't want to go to Bible school. You need to go to Bible school. I don't want to go to Bible school. I have a girlfriend here. I don't want to leave. I'll just go to church. I'll just be an ordinary person. Go to Bible school. Well, I put that all down. I went to real estate classes. I did all kinds of stuff. I worked in a warehouse. Nothing was fulfilling. Nothing was satisfying. So I decided, and I applied to college. I was going to go, go to college, University of Northern Colorado, and become an elementary school teacher. <laughs> and everybody said, thank you, Jesus. He's not teaching our kids. So this went on for a couple of years, and, and my youth pastor really led me in the things of God, came back as a guest minister to our church. And finally, I was so happy because he'd come back time after time, and I didn't know what I was doing. Finally, I thought, I know what I'm doing. I, when he comes, I can tell him what I'm doing. I told him, I'm going to uh, University of Northern Colorado. I'm going to be an elementary school ed, ed teacher. And uh, all he said was this. He goes, well, that's awesome. Have you ever thought about going to Rama? And right on the inside of me, it was just a knowing. It was like, you know, sometimes we say it was a voice, but it wasn't, and you can't explain it. It's just, you know, when you look back, you know what it was. It was a knowing. It was the Holy Spirit said, this is the last time I will bother you about this. It was an unction, and sometimes we miss it because there are windows of time. And the Holy Spirit will deal with you, but when the window of time comes, it starts to close. And it was so, it wasn't a voice, it wasn't anything, it was an impression, but it was serious enough to know that if I don't obey, my life's going a different direction. And I didn't know what direction it was going if I went to Bible school, but I knew it was going different. And just by that knowing, by him saying something and on the inside going, this is it. I found out later by talking to him, he said he left that meeting and he looked at Miss Janet and said, I believe he's going to Ramah. He didn't coax me, he just asked me a question. But there was something the Spirit of God was doing. It wasn't a big, thus saith the Lord. There wasn't a hoopla. He just said, you ever thought about this? By unction of the Holy Spirit, not knowing what he was saying, not knowing what I was dealing with, but it registered to the Spirit of God in me with that unction that says, okay, 
So that was clear. This is in between just you and me. That was clear. I'm talking to you. It was an unction. It was an unction by the Holy Spirit of God. Sometimes you just get an unction. You just get a knowing, a perceiving, right? It's just a perception. The disciples got that. They said it seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit to do certain things. Uh, Luke said, it's, in Luke chapter 1, uh, he said, it seemed good to me to write this, an account of the scripture that I know so well. He said, other people are writing about the life of Jesus. I know it well, so it seems good to me. Well, we know that Paul said all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you're just going and you're close and you're studying the word and you're praying and you're sensitive and it just seems good, right? It's that perception. It's that unction. And I'm just going to give you this real quick. There's only been a few times that I can tell you that I heard a voice. I know it was a voice. It wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't an outward voice. But when I heard that voice, for me, it was always because emotionally and mentally, there was so much going on in a compacted period of time that it came through loud and clear. It came through loud and clear. Come on, there was a place where, where, you know, we got into this building in the day. We got into this building called the bank, and we'd spent everything that we had. You know, we thought we had it all wrapped into the bank. We spent everything that we had. And I called the bank, set the closing date, and they said, uh, you need to bring $16,000 to closing. We didn't have $16,000. We spent everything on this building. Everybody, in my mind, everybody spent their resources, their time, their energy, everything. And I'm telling you, I was sitting in that office right there, hung up the phone, and it was like this dark cloud came over me. I went, oh my God, what have I done? What have I done? We built this building. We cast vision. What have I done? We don't even have money to pay for it. Put my head on the desk. I thought, it's over. This is it. And clear as a bell. He said, you go out there Sunday, tell people exactly what's happening, and take an offering. We did it. $16,000 came in. We went and closed on it. Five years later, we paid for the building. Come on. First time I went uh, on staff at the church, I worked, I don't even know if I worked a year, but there wasn't enough finances, so I got laid off. So I'd waited about six and a half, seven years to be in full-time ministry after I got out of Bible school. When I got there, I thought I had arrived. I was excited about it. Uh, then I got laid off, so I thought it was all over. So I'm reasoning in my own mind, uh, you know, what I'm going to do. And so I, I, I was a carpenter. So in my mind, I'm laying in bed, and I, said, I decided, all right, here's what I'm going to do. Instead of pursuing ministry, I'm just going to go to church, be a regular, regular attender, and buy all the tools that I need to buy. I'm going to be the best carpenter that I can be. Great idea. I figured it out. Bumped my wife. Woke her up at night. I said, I got it. I figured it out. She said, what would you figure out? I said, I'm going to quit ministry and be a carpenter. She sat up in bed, just like, I mean, you, if you've seen people possessed, it was kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she didn't move, she didn't, and we had a water bed, so that was tough, but she just went, Phoop. she sat straight up, she looked at me, and she pointed at me, and she said, you will not quit. And you get out of this bed, and go figure it out, and don't come back until you do. I'm like, my God. I thought she'd be a little bit guy. So I got out of my car, and uh, I started driving and praying, driving and praying, whining and complaining. Woe is me. Couldn't hear anything. Was upset. Thought I'd miss God. 
I mean, dear Lord, you just got to be there. If I'm not called into ministry, the same voice I heard to go to Bible school, same voice I heard to marry my wife, same voice I heard to come to Glenwood Springs. Listen, if that ain't the voice of God, I'm in big trouble. Went to the wrong school, married the wrong woman, and living in the wrong place. That can be concerning. (laughs) And then I'm praying, and all of a sudden this voice comes, just know that I love you, and when you're weak, I'm strong. That's it. Went a whole summer trying to figure out what that meant. And until I yielded to that voice and just went, I know that you love me, and when you're weak, I'm strong. And the moment I yielded to that word, he told me that I'd pass through this church and move it forward, but not until. When my brother-in-law and my associate passed away suddenly on Thanksgiving morning, and everything came crashing in, I went into the chapel, I'll never forget it. I was like, oh my God, what's going on? The Spirit of God spoke. If it wasn't audible, it's, it's the clearest I've ever heard God. And it wasn't a big deal. He just said, you will have to trust me with this. And every time I try to figure it out in my mind, he says, do you trust me? Sometimes I feel like no, <laughs> but I'm going to have to. Even to this day, it will come up and he'll say, are you going to trust me? Or are you going to try to figure this out? Those voices sustained me. They weren't long. They weren't a sermon. It was the voice of God giving me very pointed instruction. Why? Because my emotions were raging, and I was trying to figure everything out. Thank God for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Don't have time to get into it. You can stand up. But the last way... Is the fruit of the Spirit. To have a Spirit-led life, develop the fruit of the Spirit. Because you can look through Scripture, love will lead you. Love will lead you. Love will come and mature and give you knowledge and discernment, which will lead you into right decision-making. Love will lead you into right decision-making. With joy, we draw from the well of salvation. The joy of the Lord is your strength to move forward. Let peace, the peace of God, rule in your heart. Be the umpire. Peace will give you direction. Come on, developing the fruit of the Spirit is not optional. It's necessary to being led by the Spirit of God because those attributes will help lead you in life. Not just having the voice, not just having an unction, but living according to the Spirit, the fruit that's being produced will lead you into life. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you.